Welcome, everyone, to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. This is episode 167, and we're discussing our favorite friendships and rivalries in anime. As always, there'll be spoilers throughout this episode. You know what we're overdue for? Our library books. No. (laughs) (laughs) We're overdue to talk about our dropped anime update. Because for those of you who aren't familiar, episode 150, we talked about the anime that we dropped and we had everyone vote for which anime we should give another chance to and we promised we would give updates. Well, I have an update. And I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yours was Orbital Orbital. Children. I know. It's only six episodes. I I just can't make time to watch it. (laughs) I, I promise I will watch it by the end of this year and give my proper update for it well i have a proper update for mine and my vote not my not my vote but what everyone voted for me to give another chance to was kaguya sama love is war well not only do i have an update but i also i guess have some opinions on it because i finished the whole thing wow you went above and beyond what was required. <laughs> I know. It was only the first season that I needed to give a chance to. But yeah, of course, you you beat me out because <laughs> I only watched season one. I, I, You know what? I ended up finishing all of it, being the binge watcher that I am. I enjoyed it enough where I was like, I'll keep watching. So I watched all three seasons. Plus, there's like a couple of extra episodes, like three or four episodes that happen after the third season. And I think there's two OVAs. So yeah, I watched everything. Aren't there movies or a movie? Or did that not come out yet? I don't know. I think, okay, so that's confusing because on Mal, it's listed as a movie. But on Crunchyroll, where I watched it, it's actually four episodes. And I looked into this a little bit and people in some discussions said, yeah, it's like episodic i don't know why it says a movie on mal i think maybe it was released in theaters initially as like as a movie yeah um but i watched it as episodes so that's that whatever that is that's also what i watched so almost like that demon slayer to the swordsmith village arc that we watched in theaters yeah where it was a movie originally and then it was cut up into episodes for a an episodic TV release. So yeah, I, I watched everything and um, I like it better than when I first watched it and dropped it. And kind of thinking back to episode 150 where we talked about it in more um, detail, really the main reason I dropped Kaguya was because the first three episodes were just so intense. It was like in your face, like ADHD for me, I was like, I, I can't, I can't handle it. And I think part of it is maybe I just wasn't in the mood for that type of anime at the time that I initially watched it. But I have to say, after you get past like the first season or so, there's still that type of storytelling, I guess, like the the war part of Kaguya-sama Love is War, but they step away from it. There's less going on with the narrator. It's more of the character's commentating or their inner monologues and there is like some some, there are some main story beats that take place where it's not like these like vignettes all the time um but it still has some of that format so it's kind of like a mix by the time you get to the third season interesting okay so i think for me it was more 
palatable than I expected. But here's the kicker. I know that the third season was a big deal. And I think it's for a while it was like the number one anime on Mal. Like everyone was freaking out about it. I have to say, although I enjoyed the third season, I don't think the third season or Kaguya in general necessarily lives up to the hype. I Ooh. Again, I enjoyed it unexpectedly. I, I watched the whole thing, so obviously I found some enjoyment in it. It was good. The humor hits. I think the humor is really, really great in Kaguya. But as far as like the romance, I like the characters together, but I've seen other anime that do more romantic things and do romance better when it comes to like like the relationship really progressing i'm I'm trying to tread lightly because you haven't watched it but i'm sure you've seen enough spoilers out there where like you probably kind of know what happens yeah i'm assuming they end up together or something maybe i'm wrong or like maybe they end up close to being together uh, but that just makes me wonder, like, what do you think then is the allure behind why so many people love Kaguya-sama based on what you've watched? Um, I, I'm going to guess maybe it's a combination of like the effort that the viewer puts in going on this journey and then like finally seeing something happen towards the end of the story. Although there's more happening in the manga. I don't think that the anime is totally caught up. Um, it could be that plus like the the chemistry between Kaguya and um, Shirogane. I think that they're a really good match and I, I enjoy watching their romance unfold. But as far as like how the romance is is done and the, the story... It's, it's not the two of them themselves that I think are like a bad match or anything or that there's no chemistry. It's just the, the story, the romance story. I think there's other romance anime that kind of do it a little bit better. But Kaguya's was still good. So I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just that. Maybe it was like the hype of everything and plus, you know, the the investment that all the viewers put into it to see some level of payoff probably it, had people really happy. Is it cheesy? Is that why people like, do you think that's why people like it? It wasn't cheesy, but it was like grand. I, I don't want to mm, say like what happens, okay. but what does happen is grand. It's over the top without being too much. It's is like, it, <laughs> it's it's very romantic. <laughs> do you think it's like how weebs have this mindset of how romance is supposed to work? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. Um, I do have another hot take about Kaguya. Uh, besides the fact that I, I don't think it entirely lived up to the hype. My other hot take is if I were to choose between, if I were to choose my favorite romance out of all the romances in Kaguya, the side ship is my favorite, like the main side ship. Cause you know how there's like the main ship and then in some anime there's a side ship or multiple side ships. There's a side ship in Kaguya with a character who isn't introduced, I think, until the second season. So you're not going to be aware of the side ship. But the hmm. side ship, I actually was more invested in um, than the main ship. So I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just weird when it comes to Kaguya. But all in all, at the end of the day, I fulfilled my promise. And I went above and beyond. I watched all the Kaguya content that the anime side has to offer. And overall, I enjoyed it. But what's your rating? 
Um, that's a good question. <laughs> Did you rate it on Mail or each individual season? I rated it on Mail, and I want to say almost everything was like a seven on Mail, but like a seven point five out of ten in general for me. Okay. Um, if I had to give it like an overall rating, I would give it somewhere between a seven and a half to an eight out of ten. Not bad, not bad. Yeah, so like it's it's good, it's solid. It's it's probably a step above solid, but it's not the it's not the like amazing romance that everyone hyped it up to be. So I'm kind of like it's in the middle, right? It's it's right there comfortably in the middle. And whatever, fuck it. I watched Kaguya. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> now you have to watch Orbital Children. <laughs> I mean, I don't think there's a a rousing fandom behind Orbital Children like there is for <laughs> Kaguya-sama. So going to take my sweet time. But like I said, rest assured, I will complete the six-episode show <laughs> by the end of the year and report back. Well, unrelated to that, um, my birthday was in October. <laughs> and it's, quite it's a while not back. October anymore. <laughs> um, but the reason I bring this up is because I want to give a huge shout out to one of our listeners, James D. 13. Hopefully that's how he wants it pronounced. I'm like 99% sure. But yes, James D. 13. Shout out to you because um, he made a custom artwork for my birthday i was not sure what to expect because he had messaged on discord saying hey courtney who are your three favorite anime characters and i responded with gone freaks ein from cowboy bebop and joseph joestar and then a few days later james d 13 comes back with really awesome artwork that features all three of these characters and I have to like, I have to share it. I have to share this with the world because it looks really fucking good. Yeah. It's like you got a, a commission. I know. It's like <laughs> custom artwork with all my fucking favorite characters. It's great. I, I think what's most impressive to me is that all three of these characters have very distinct art, like art styles or animation styles for their anime. Mm -hmm. And he did a great job with all of them. I'm especially impressed with the Joseph Joestar one. Like, it looks so fucking good. Yeah, because there's a certain style and aesthetic to JoJo, as most JoJo fans will probably incessantly tell you. But, yeah, I got to say, James did a damn good job with Joseph and with Ayn and Gon. But, yeah, I wish I could, like, replicate specific art styles just as well as he did. And for those who aren't familiar with James D13, he actually um, has a Patreon. He's on Instagram. He's on Twitter. He is an artist who I believe specializes in DBZ art because I'm looking right now at the Instagram and like this shit is legit. He does really amazing artwork and commissions of DBZ characters. And if you're a fan of DBZ, you definitely need to check this out. Yeah, give James a follow, and it was just awesome for him to to gift you that, a very special gift on your birthday. So I'm scrolling through his Instagram, and apparently he doesn't only do DBZ artwork. Did you see the High School of the Dead stuff? This is so good. Oh, what? Hold on. I'm, I'm on his IG now. Wow, <laughs> that's awesome. Man, I, I never thought I'd see any High School of the Dead 
artwork from recent memory. I know, right? I feel like we were doing something special talking about High School of the Dead recently on the podcast, but I think High School of the Dead, maybe uh, maybe the timing was right because it was recently Halloween. But yeah, this is awesome. He even did a link from Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah. Oh my God. Look at that. I wish I was talented. (laughs) (laughs) You're musically talented. I also wish I was artistically talented, but... Kudos to you, James. This artwork is awesome. And for anyone who wants to check out his stuff, um, you can find him again on Twitter, Instagram, um, and on Patreon as well. All of them are at the handle JamesD13, spelled out James D-X-I-I-I. We'll also share James's birthday artwork that Courtney mentioned on our Discord. So if you are not already a member of our Discord like James is, The link to that is in the description. So before we dive into our discussion, we have another Tokyo Treat Box to share with you guys. We're super excited about this one because it is Christmas themed. Perfect, because it's the most wonderful time of the year. (laughs) I know you're very excited about (laughs) Christmas. You even convinced me to put up our Christmas decorations early this year. (laughs) Well, you know, in the Filipino tradition, Christmas usually starts when the burr months roll around. So September, October, (laughs) November, December. Well, we, we put them up this month in November. But, you know, I just wanted to be in the festive holiday spirit. And, you know, I guess with Tokyo Treat, I know that there are Japanese snacks that are released throughout the year in Japan that sort of have a, have a seasonal rotation or are like holiday themed. So I'm very excited to see what Christmas joy awaits us in this month's Hey, <laughs> Well, for anyone who's not familiar... Tokyo Treat is a monthly pop Japanese snack subscription box where you get up to 20 exclusive limited edition and seasonal flavored Japanese snacks that are only available in Japan for a limited time. Tokyo Treat wants to invite everyone to experience Japan from the comfort of their own homes through their amazing snack boxes. So as we mentioned the theme for this month's box, and it is like decked out. The whole box has um, red and green print on it and really cool Christmas imagery. But the theme for this month is Snacktacular Christmas. Christmas in Japan is one of the happiest and yummiest times of the year. The Tokyo Treat team is thrilled to bring you a taste of amazing holiday flavors through a Snacktacular Christmas, a special edition box packed full of favorite snacks stamped with Santa's approval. Santa-san. Yeah. <laughs> like the strawberry chocolate cake Kit Kats, which I'm so excited about, a Christmas Kokuto donut, Christmas cake gummies, Christmas crunch mix, and so much more. I mean, this thing is loaded with awesome snacks. And as usual, the box comes with an informational booklet that contains each item within the box as well as allergen information. So, you know, if it's A-OK for you to enjoy it. It also contains a lot of great information about Japan itself, especially with this theme being around the holidays. Like one thing that the book mentions is that KFC is a staple of Christmas dinner in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I love how much, um, how above and beyond they go with their snack boxes because they don't need to add 
all of this information. I mean, it's fantastic that they have the allergen information because we have several friends and family members who um, are allergic to a variety of things. And I know they would very much appreciate having allergy warnings on there. Um, they also take the time to teach people about cool things about Japan, about J Japanese culture and Christmas in Japan. So let's dive into it because um, there's a lot of really, really cool stuff in here. And I already have my eye on two things in particular. Well, since you mentioned the Kit Kat earlier, I'm going to start off with this Kit Kat strawberry chocolate cake, which I think we did pick up in Japan at some point as like a souvenir for one of our friends or family. We did. And we were like, oh, we've, we've got to grab this because we're never going to see it again. And I haven't seen it anywhere in the U.S. or at least in like the Chicago area where we're at. So when we opened the box and saw these Kit Kats again, I was like, nice, we get to have them again. I'm so excited. And I'm actually going to grab the, this one's the Kokuto Donut, right? Yes, I believe it contains brown sugar. Ooh, it looks so good. And the packaging is so cute. Look at the little, the little snowman on here. All right, so we're going to try these. Oh, it's Okinawa brown sugar. makes it even Ooh, more fancy. Ooh, yum. So yeah, uh, itadakimasu. All right, some, some ASMR for you guys. Oh, my God. That is so good. Wait, what? This thing is really good. Is the brown sugar flavor coming out? Really yeah, strongly? it's like the whole outside is like nice and like it's light, but it has this like really rich, warm brown sugar flavor. Oh my god, it's so good! And you know, Japanese Kit Kats are always, always a, a great like food snack to have. <laughs> I don't have any complaints here. I just wish that the U.S. would adopt their flavored Kit Kat model, but. You know. I know that'd be so awesome. I, I can't imagine what f what flavor would be specific to Chicago, but that would be cool. All right, I'm going to try the snowball marshmallow next, which kind of looks like a a mochi, and it contains I think it's red bean paste. Let me see it. I want to see what it looks like. So it does look like a white snowball. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a bite. How is it? Pretty good. Let me see the inside. So it's like a, maybe it's not red bean paste, some kind of bean paste because it's yellow. Oh, yeah. But that looks really good. Yeah, normally I don't like bean paste, but this one, it, like the the flavor is not like too in your face. Is that one a special edition item or does it come from anywhere in particular? Let's check the booklet. Well, while you're looking, I'm going to try um, this premium Ghana chocolate. So Ghana chocolate I am familiar with. We do have it at some of the Japanese grocery stores in Chicago, but I have never seen the premium version. And I mean, this is so nice. It's the salted caramel flavor and the box is super fancy. It like slides out and each piece is like individually wrapped and like really nice the way that they packaged it. It definitely feels premium. So I'm going to try it. And what flavor is it again? I think it's salted caramel, right? Oh, yeah. I'm holding the book like I just looked it up here. <laughs> um, yeah, chocolate caramel. It's really good. Oh, my it God. It's so good. It has the perfect blend of cacao. Is that how you say it? Yeah. And cacao and caramel. <laughs> um, as for the snowball marshmallow, um, I guess it's a, like themed for the holiday. But thankfully, the book points out that the common allergens associated with this item are egg, dairy, and gelatin. Um, so nice that they point that out for anyone who is allergic to any of those items. Um, I want to try another one, but I don't want to like, I want to savor 
these snacks as much as I can. I know <laughs> like, we gotta make this last until Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> it's although gonna be I'm so hard. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I, I am eyeing. I love the fact that the Tokyo Treat Box is so diverse because I see a can of Kalpis soda, which I loved drinking Kalpis when we were on our trip in Japan. I would stop by like every vending machine just to pick one up for the day. Uh, so very excited to wash all of this down with Kalpi soda. And not um, only that, but there's a whole spicy ramen packet in there. Oh, yeah, there is. Like, I, I pulled it out. I'm like, this thing is heavy. Like, this is a nice ramen packet. So, yeah, that's that's going to be interesting to try out. I don't know how spicy it's going to be, but we'll, oh, yeah, we'll have to see. A, it, it is spicy, <laughs> according to the packaging. So. <laughs> so, if any of you out there are interested in trying out these Christmas-themed snacks, there is a bit of time left to pick up Tokyo Treats Snacktacular Christmas Box. And of course, with the holiday season upon us, I think there's no better way to celebrate this episode's theme of friendship than in the form of a Tokyo Treat Box as a gift for the food lover or full-on weeb in your life. So make sure to use code STRICTLYANIME for $5 off your first Tokyo Treat Box through the link in our description, which is team.tokyotreat.com slash strictlyanime. And yes, just like Santa-san, they do ship worldwide. And thank you so much to Tokyo Treat for sponsoring another box for us and allowing us to experience these limited edition Christmas snacks so that we can feel like we're back in Japan. So let's talk about friendships and rivalries in anime, our favorites in particular, uh, because sometimes there's just really good love-hate relationships out there. Yeah, it's nice to have friends. Is it nice to have rivals? I guess it's nice to have rivals too. <laughs> I feel like are rivals like a real life thing? I guess technically they are. Because you when you think like about work rivals. Yeah. Or, or like school rivals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I mean, when you think about, and I had to really be conscious of this when I was making my list because there were times where I would come across an anime and think, oh my God, I love the dynamic between these two characters, not realizing that they are more enemies than rivals so when we're talking rivals we mean like real true traditional rivals where it's two individuals that are almost in sort of like a competition with each other um they have the same end goal they're on the same team technically but you know there's they're trying to compete with each other or you're giving me a weird look. What's this look? Okay. Well, <laughs> As I'm describing I, this, you're making a face like, uh-oh, did we fuck like, up? <laughs> or did I fuck up? Because my understanding of rivalries, <laughs> I, I thought more of like these people hate each other and like fight each other. Like there's no competition necessarily between them. Yeah, so, so like they they don't have to necessarily like each other, but they're still playing for the same team. Oh, so they're not no. <laughs> they're not traditionally enemies, right? Like they're not trying to murder uh, each other. <laughs> okay, then my list is all fucked up. <laughs> Uh-oh, cuz the definition of a rival is somebody who and I had to look this up too. Somebody who is kind of in the same ballpark as that person. They're again on the same team. They're working towards the same goal, but they're just trying to beat the other one out as like the better of the two. Or they have kind of like a love-hate relationship with one another. Mm, I guess some of these could work. It could be debatable. I'll bring them up and then you can decide, you, Courtney, and the listeners. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I didn't understand the assignment. That's okay. We'll, we'll work with what we have. <laughs> well, um, I think I have slightly more than you do. So do you want me to go first? 
Yeah, I'll save myself the embarrassment so that <laughs> you can start with your proper list. Well, I'll kick us off with probably a very quintessential rivalry in anime, especially as of late. And this is from My Hero Academia. It's Bakugo and Midoriya. I had a feeling you were going to include them, so that's why I excluded them. Although I, I guess I was thinking of them in terms of friendship, but yeah, that makes sense with rivalry. They Okay, I guess like now they're kind of in that friendship category technically they're working their way towards a friendship right but i think more more fittingly they're rivals because again they're working on the same team they're just trying to beat each other out in terms of like being the best hero the number one hero whatever the fucking line is from my hero academia yeah i would say bakugo has a weird way of encouraging midoriya even though he knows that Midoriya is kind of like All Might's favorite child <laughs> of the <laughs> two of them. Uh, I don't think that stops him from still trying to beat him out and prove that like All Might might have made the wrong choice um, in choosing Midoriya as his quote-unquote successor. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's one of the more interesting relationships um, that I've seen in a shonen. Yeah, and I think what... I like the most about Bakugo and Midoriya's friendship slash rivalry, besides the fact that I love Bakugo, is the progression, the, the evolution of their relationship over time because they are childhood friends. Uh, Bakugo hates Midoriya's guts, and we find out later it's just because he had kind of like mixed feelings about like jealousy and like fear and whatnot when it came to Midoriya because Midoriya has potential that Bakugo simply doesn't possess. So Bakugo kind of goes on this journey of going from like straight up rivals to slowly accepting him and in his own way wanting to support him while the entire time Midoriya just wants to be his fucking friend. So I, I like that there's um there's kind of like this history and again, this evolution with their relationship, which I think is different than a lot of other rivalries that we see, because sometimes you just see characters who are purely rivals and they never really have such a key focus on like how the two of them can help each other or grow closer. Well, since you mentioned my hero, I had a rivalry on my list. Um, but Again, thinking back to your definition of rivalry, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> I put All Might and All for One. Because uh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they're they're not they're not rooting for the same team or playing for the same team at all. So we'll scratch that from the record. Um, here, let me put out another rivalry I entered, and let's see if it fits the definition. I put Thorfinn and Askeladd from Vinland Saga. Oh, okay. So this one's interesting because I feel like you could categorize them as enemies or as rivals. Right. Um, and I think the rivalry turns into more of a maybe friendship uh, towards the end of the first season or Almost like season a, two. Like a father-son relationship in certain ways, which yeah. is why it's such an, like a, an interestingly complex relationship. Yeah, because at the beginning of season one of Vinland Saga, obviously, like, Thorfinn hated Askeladd's guts, and for good reason, because, spoiler alert, Askeladd is the one who ends up killing Thorfinn's father in the at the beginning of the series. And so he's hell-bent on this mission of vengeance to 
try and take Escalade down by like following his band of Vikings as they're going through their Viking conquests. But along the way, like as much as Escalade brushes off every time uh, Thorfinn tries to attack him, I think he also uses those moments as a way to teach him a life lesson. And that's, that becomes like a significant point um, in the season one finale uh, when Askeladd kind of shows his true intentions with Thorfinn and Thorfinn responds and realizes the error of his ways and sees that Askeladd has, I guess, transcended from becoming his enemy to more of his mentor. Well, I also have one from Vinland Saga, and this is specific to season two. So if you haven't seen season two, you may want to skip ahead. But uh, I put for a friendship, Thorfinn and Einar. Anal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a great friendship to see in season two, especially with all the shit that Thorfinn had to go through in season one and the state that he is at the beginning of season two. I honestly think Einar might be Thorfinn's first friend ever because when we see Thorfinn in the beginning of season one, he's a kid, but we don't know if he has any like established friends at that point. Like he hangs out with other kids, I think, but we don't know if he has like a friend. Like a best friend. Yeah. A BFF. Even if he does, I'm sure this is, Einar is his first friend that he's had in years. So kudos to Einar for uh, befriending Thorfinn, the loner. <laughs> but I think what I love most about their friendship is how they balance each, balance each other out. Because you have Thorfinn who is grappling with a lot um, from his past, a lot of regrets. And Einar is very patient with him and tries to show him a side of humanity that he hasn't really experienced being a, a Viking. And then Einar has moments where he's about to go down the path that Thorfinn once went down and Thorfinn is there to kind of deviate him from that path and say, look, mm-hmm. this is not the answer because I've already been there. So yeah, I love how uh, how the two of them have exactly what the other needs to stay sane, I guess. Uh, it's a really interesting relationship to watch unfold. Yeah, I was going to say like they're both struggling in their own ways through this journey of life, especially life in the age of Vikings. But you're right. Like what the other person needs is what the other one has. And it just becomes this very beautiful friendship that blossoms between them, Um, especially as they move towards another goal in season three, now that they've kind of found peace with themselves and wish to kind of share that peace with others around them. Next on my list So I categorize this under friendships, not knowing, again, the full definition of rivalry. But I think this duo, their relationship can kind of fall under both categories. And so I'm talking about Mugen and Jin from Samurai Champloo. Ooh, that's (laughs) a good one. Yeah, I guess they're like unconventional allies that kind of turn into acquaintances that are just like they're okay with each other yeah (laughs) and there's a clear contrast between both of them uh i I, you know i've it's been a while since we've watched samurai champloo and i can't pinpoint exactly where in the beginning of the series they had this like budding rivalry because like there's there's a there is a, a sort of competition between them i'll that's all i'll say but it's just so funny because 
I guess visually and even in the style of their fighting, they're so different. Uh, like Mugen is more since like Samurai Champloo is kind of based around like hip hop music. Uh, he moves more like a break dancer and just very unorthodox in his fighting style. Whereas Jin is more of the typical Ronin that you see in kind of like historical anime or historical TV shows. Um, so, so very orthodox in his fighting style, but both are very skilled and experienced and they're on this journey with Fu who has her own particular mission and, you know, they're just butting heads all the time, but something about like them being all together makes the duo, like I said, be more tolerant. I was going to say accepting of each other, but more tolerant of each other. Um, but I, I think throughout the, their journey in the series, they start to grow a little bit more of a soft spot for the other. Yeah, I've mentioned before that I really enjoy character relationships where the the dynamic is two polar opposite characters being like forced together and having to work together. And Mugen and Jin are exactly that. Hence why I mentioned Bakugo and Midoriya earlier. They're also um, very much that. So watching the two of them is, it, it's just so much fun because they, like you said, they butt heads constantly but they're both incredibly skilled, like almost on par with each other. So it's just a matter of like accepting the other one has the exact opposite mindset that you have. Well, the next one that I have is a tried and true friendship, one that I cherish very, very much. It's from Hunter Hunter. It's not probably what you're expecting, but for me, this one is very, very important. It's Gone Freaks and Leorio. Paladinite? Is that how you say his last name? Paladinite? Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> I realized I said Gon's last name, so I should probably say Leorio's last name. Okay. Yeah. I, I think the more traditional route would have been Gon and Kilo's friendship, of yeah. course. But no, I, I think Gon and Leorio are also a an absolutely notable friendship. Yeah, and Gon and Kilo's friendship, that's iconic in the anime community, and rightfully so. I also really love their friendship, but there's something about Gon and Leorio that I think is so incredibly special, especially when you get to the last arc of the anime, the election arc. That's when their friendship really shines because if there's one person, okay, there's many people who are there for Gon during that time, but if there's one person who's like front and center, it's Leorio, and what he does to several people yelling and punching and doing whatever he needs to do to get Gon the support that he needs. It's just fantastic. And Leodio sits in this interesting space for Gon because he's definitely a friend, um, an ally through their adventures, but he also sometimes feels like a father figure to Gon. And then I think more often than that, he feels like a big brother to Gon. I mean, that's contentious. Because we don't really know Leorio's age, right? Or do we? Right? I think he claimed he was 19. Yeah. And I think he, we're like, what the fuck? Yeah, he has he has a beard and then the deep voice. But yeah, I just thinking of it in that sense, I, I see Leorio as more of a big brother. Not necessarily a father figure, but in certain respects he is. But I like to see Leorio as Gon's bigger brother. And uh, especially with what he does in the election arc that you mentioned. Uh, I think he fills in that role really well there. <laughs> I'm just replaying the scene in my head. I know um, that scene plus um, the scene where 
the two of them like hug that i i replay it all the time on youtube mm. it's so good all right i'm gonna return to the rivalry side of my list um and i want to see if this kind of fits in uh maybe not but l let me put this out there i put vash the stampede and millions knives i don't think wait and millie and knives Millions Knives. Oh, that's his full said name. Vash no. Knives and Millie. I'm like, no. what does Millie have to do with this? No, it's, his full name is Millions Knives. I know. I always forget that. Yeah, but I don't um, think. Yeah, they're not playing for the same team. They're just related by blood. Yeah, they're more like. Oh, see, that's tough because they are. They are relatives. Yeah, but then but they're knives enemies. Has a, yeah, <laughs> knives has a different goal in mind for humanity, and Vash has his own goal. Yeah, right? but let me bring this up because I also have characters from Trigun. I put I think the most common Vash and Wolfwood that I would yeah, consider that, a friendship and rivalry. Yeah, that makes more sense. And then Millie and Merrill. Mm -hmm. I just love I love those two duos. I think they're great. Like Millie and Merrill are a lot of fun because. They are trying to fulfill their work responsibilities together, but um, obviously struggling. But the two of them have opposite strengths that play really well together. Like Meryl is definitely the brains and Millie is definitely the bronze. Brawn? Bronze? Brawn. Bronze? <laughs> bronze <laughs> is the kind of metal. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have Vash and Wolfwood who start off as rivals. Um, actually, I mean, technically they kind of start off as enemies that evolve into rivals and then i think by the end is definitely a friendship yeah although i would say like my recent watch through i feel like they were more buddies than i had originally thought yeah like there are instances where they're competitive with each other but it's never in a way where it's like like the bakugo midoriya rivalry until yeah that later half of the series and we're talking about Trigun, the original anime, not uh, Trigun Stampede that came out earlier yeah, this year. Because I have not watched that, and I don't know if I want to watch it. It's it's good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I scratched out Vash and Knives. Uh, let me go back to the friendship side. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, I have one from Kids on the Slope, and it's the two main protagonists um karu and Sentaro. yeah i have to like dig back in my memory because this is one i haven't seen in years i know i i feel like i should rewatch kids on the slope because i've mentioned it was one of my most favorite anime of all time um so karu is the like so kids on the slope is about uh, this bond that these two high school students have over jazz music and how that kind of fits in with the ups and downs of their uh, adolescent life. Um, and Kaoru is more of the reserved kind of nerdy pianist while Sentaro is more of like the, the sports jock. But I just love how their friendship is really personified through their shared love of music and in this show's case specifically jazz music uh, one of the standout scenes in kids on the slope is when they perform a, a jazz song and it's moanin by art blakey which is one of my favorite jazz pieces um 
but you can tell like there are many moments in the show where they're butting heads and you know they kind of have a shared love interest in a way and that kind of sparks a rivalry between them but when it comes to music it's kind of like they throw all of those emotions away and come to the realization that you know despite their differences they are still great friends at heart and especially more so because they sync so well with the way that Kaoru plays the piano and how that's complemented by the way Sentaro plays the drums. So, yeah, I, I just think it's symbolized through the frantic nature of how jazz music sounds, but in a way that makes it feel melodic. So almost like a, a rocky friendship between the two of them, but one that withstands all of those trials and tribulations. I don't know as much about music as you do, but when it comes to jazz, I, I think having the right chemistry, the right dynamic between musicians is probably really important, especially because jazz allows the players to take a lot of liberty with the way the song unfolds. So to have two characters like that who can mesh really well in their jazz music playing, I think, yeah, d definitely signals the type of friendship or type of relationship that they have. The next one that I have is like another one of those friendships and rivalry types, and it comes from Code Geass. Oh, let's see. I have one from Code Geass, too. Is it Lelouch and Suzaku? Yes. There you go. <laughs> or I put Lelouch slash zero versus Suzaku. Or I don't, didn't he have a code name? Oh, uh, shit. I don't remember. <laughs> like, oh, God. White Knight or something? Uh, maybe, maybe I'm just thinking. I don't know. Like, Code Geass. I say this a lot. Code Geass was a fucking blur. I mean, oh, wait. Okay. It's, it's White Knight. There you go. Okay. <laughs> yes, Code Geass is a lot to take in because it's such a fast-paced show, but it's great, just like this friendship slash rivalry. So when it comes to Lulush and Suzaku, they start off as longtime friends who are sort of like torn apart by society, by this whole like Britannia versus, you know, the Japanese, the Lebanese. Um, and <laughs> what? I coined that term. I'm pretty sure. Lebanese. Yeah, I know. It's stuck it. in my head. The yeah. 11. <laughs> um, so with the two of them, it's like they never wanted to be rivals in the first place. They had a very strong friendship and that carries throughout the show. And that friendship is a driving force for a lot of the decisions that they make. But it does turn into a rivalry, um, you know, at a key moment in the story because basically they're pitted against each other. Again, they, they don't have much choice in who... In the way they, they view each other, I'm like trying to tread lightly here, but I mean, Code Yes has been out for a long time. Like, Suzaku makes the decision to fight on his end, and Lelouch made his decision a long time ago to fight on his end, and of course, they're they're the two most skilled individuals, Lelouch on the, the mental front and Suzaku on the physical front, and they, they have to battle that shit out, right? Like... It's it's so tough because you see how close their friendship is and then they have to be pitted against each other and it's just kind of like it, it's kind of heartbreaking. It's it's like bittersweet because yeah, they're interacting but not in the way that you would want them to. Yeah, I would say that Lelouch and Suzaku like they're 
they're playing technically for the same team, but it's rather they have different means to the same end. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. I think that's what I was trying to articulate, yeah. but <laughs> probably did a really long runaround. But yes, <laughs> you're absolutely right. They have the same goal in mind, mm-hmm. but they have very different philosophies on what's the best way to get to that goal. And because of that, that plus the societal pressures that they're experiencing because of their like who they are. Um, yeah, it just, I feel like the world is against them. Yeah, I think that's what's most interesting about their friendship slash rivalry is how diametrically opposite they are in their ideals. I think that's even represented in their their sort of quote-unquote um, fighting gear, <laughs> whereas you know, Lelouch is always dressed in, in black. And like I said before, Suzaku would be calling, being called the White Knight, um, that kind of reflects on his his ideologies. Um, so I think that's what makes Code Geass interesting with watching their relationship develop is how much they are pitted against each other and seeing where that goes, especially how that turns out in the finale of the series because it's it's so unexpected, but it, at the same time, it's kind of expected. It's uh, so their fitting. Relationship. Yeah. All right, back to the friendships side of my list. This one's kind of funny because <laughs> it has a maybe it has like a real world application. Um, it's a friendship from Saint Onisan. I have sure. this one too. Oh, you do? Okay, yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're talking about Jesus and Buddha. And for anyone who's <laughs> not familiar with Saint Onisan, they're probably they're probably like, "What the fuck are they talking about?" But yes, <laughs> Jesus and Buddha are friends. They're so close that they it's go on canon. vacation. <laughs> yeah, they go on vacation together. Yeah, I think this friendship is the literal representation of the coexist bumper sticker that you see on the backs of cars uh, and i think that's like jesus and buddha's relationship is so well representative of that that sort of virtue of you know people have their differences but that doesn't mean they can't be friends right obviously jesus and buddha are divinities in their respective religions but they still have fun just you know hanging out in Tokyo they acknowledge like the other's religious traditions or their religious code but it's not in a way where it's like they demean the other person yeah it's very supportive the way that the two of them interact with each other and with the other's respective religion it's it's really great and i love the balance that the creator strikes with the two of them i feel like neither outshines the other i feel like mm-hmm. they both get the same amount of um acknowledgement and respect for i hate to say like the side that they're on but you know when it comes to their particular religion and yeah the the way that they get these two to interact it's just it's so good there's so many shenanigans that the two of them get into, but um, <laughs> the way it ties back to their religions is really, really funny. I'm going to go with a throwback for my next one, and that is Cowboy Bebop. Do you mm. have any from Bebop on your list? I do, so maybe there's a crossover here. Well, I have Ed and I. Yeah, that's who I had. <laughs> oh, I love it so much. This might be one of my absolute favorite friendships in all of anime. There's... A lot of uh, sentimental 
I guess, value to this friendship because we had a corgi named Ayn. And I think the first time we took him to an anime convention, I dressed up as that's, Ed. Yeah, that's right. Yup. I mean, I had to, right? Like, he, we we named him Ayn after Ayn, his namesake, mm-hmm. from Cow- Cowboy Bebop. We even had a red collar and a gold tag for him. So, yeah, when it came to cosplaying, I was like, I have to I have to be Ayn. After that, we then dressed up as Spike, Faye, and Ayn. Mm-hmm. We took him um, a second time to a convention. But that first he was one. a star. Yeah. <laughs> people <laughs> loved him. Um, but for that first one, I had to honor the friendship that started it all. And I dressed up as Ed. But this friendship is so cute because it's between, you know, like a, a human and their dog, right? Like A data dog, though. Yeah. <laughs> that is such a relatable thing. I mean, how how much do people love their pets i mean they're to many people their pets are basically family and that's the same in in our family rigby who's laying right here at my feet because he wants to hang out with us while we record he is very much another one of our our children almost like we we love him to death and seeing ed and ein go through all of the crazy things that they go through together there's almost like this this wavelength that the two of them are on all the time that no one else in the bebop crew has because they're kind of the they're the i was gonna say they're the youngest um like i don't see ed really meshing with spike Faye, or jet and kind of the same for ein yeah and i think that they have such a a strong bond that like ed just simply understands ein all the time and ein understands ed all the time like there are there are moments where other members of the the Bebop crew are interacting with Ayn, and clearly he's able to understand what they're saying because he's smart. He's a data dog, but it doesn't compare to the the level of understanding that Ed and Ayn have throughout the show. I, I still love the uh, Mushroom Samba is my favorite episode out of the series, and you get a lot of <laughs> the the dynamic between Ed and Ayn in that episode. But also, like, I would say my favorite, one of my favorite scenes out of the entire series is Ed and Ayn's last scene together. I mean, now it it really tugs at the heartstrings seeing that scene, obviously because of the sem- sentimentality of it um, with our real uh, real life Corgi, Ayn. Um, but even then, I think that's just, it's so symbolic of how far their friendship has come in the series um, to have that all come together in their last scene together. All right, I'm going to go from sentimental to moody. <laughs> so I go back to our or my rivalry list. Um, I guess this is I don't okay, this one probably doesn't make sense either. Um, although there is a rivalry between them, but I don't think they're kind of meeting like the same end game. Uh, it's from Death Note and I put Light Yagami and L. Ooh, okay, so I was going to put this one but then I thought about it, and I'm like, maybe they're more technically enemies. Yeah. But it's so weird because they, like, oddly respect one another because the other is so fucking clever mm-hmm. that it keeps them on their toes. Yeah. But you know, falling back to the definition of rivalry, they're they're not encouraging each other. But they're definitely be... in competition with each yeah. other. Like the fucking tennis <laughs> scene. Like that just shows. <laughs> like they're yeah. literally in competition with each other. They're like, who's going to come out on top? <laughs> mm-hmm. And I just love the the shot where, you know, L is like 
five centimeters from Light's face. <laughs> so good. At <laughs> like, that, that kind of sums up their whole relationship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't think, in terms of this this episode, I don't think they're rivals, but they're like enemies. So They're frenemies. Yeah. So I guess I'll move back to the friendship list because this makes uh, more sense. Um, it's the duo from Buddy Daddies, uh, Ray and Kazuki, which I know you have not watch- watched Buddy Daddies yet, right? I have not, but from what you said about it in the past, it sounds like these two are kind of like polar opposites come together. Yes, um, so they feel like the quintessential buddy cop duo that you see in buddy cop films. Although they're not cops, they are elite hitmen, but they are complete opposites. It's kind of like uh, in high school where you think like like you think of the popular student, but the popular student's friend is like an emo kid. <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's how I envision uh, Kazuki. Like he is the popular student to raise emo kid um and so yeah they're they're polar opposites of each other but they still get the job done when it comes to their hitman contracts and and of course they're they're budding daddies when miri enters their life and they have different ways of of taking care of miri um so even though their personalities might clash all the time i think when they come together focus on a singular mission or even like a, a mission not like uh an errand that they have to do that involves miri uh they they do their best and again i, I think it's just them being so different from each other but still having a fruitful friendship with each other i think that's what i appreciate about them most The next one on my list is one that you haven't seen, but I've talked a lot about to you, so maybe you're somewhat familiar. It's from Gintama. It's a friendship, and it's the main trio, Gintoki, Kagura, and Shinpachi. Oh, so you're doing the whole anime trio here. I am. It's, it's It's a good friendship. And I put this one because... The dynamic between these three characters, it, it's great. You've got Gintoki, who is sort of like the big brother to the two others, and at the same time is like the problem child. And then you have Shinpachi, who's definitely the straight man, and that's a running joke in the show that he he's the straight man trying to keep everyone from running amok. And then you've got Kagura, who is kind of dumb at times, um, but is also like the strongest out of the three of them physically. So she gets herself into all sorts of antics. And watching the three of them throughout the show is great because they're the type who act like they don't get along, but at the end of the day, they really care about each other. And when one of them is in a pinch or is in a fight or is being threatened, the other two will always step up and be them be there for them. So it it's I don't know, it's it's kinda like a sundere, right? Like they're never gonna straight up tell you that they care about you, but you mm. know deep down inside they care about you. Man, I really need to watch Gintama. Yes, you do. I, I think I've heard like many people recently watch the show. I feel like I need to. 
But again, I, I, I haven't even had time to watch Orbital Children. No one I can watch Gintama. Although I think that's more, I mean, you can tell me, like it, it feels like more of a casual watch at certain points um, until it actually has a specific arc. Yeah, I think it takes like around 50 or so episodes before you get to the first serious arc. So there's plenty that you can kind of like linger on until things really ramp up. Yeah, I mean, you've sent me so many clips or that Jugem Jugem whatever episode. Oh, the monkey monkey. name? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, Gintama is a goldmine of of out-of-context clips. All right, back to friendships on my list. Um, This is one that's obvious from the series Ranking of Kings. I put Boji and Kage. I also have this one. Yeah, they're good friends. (laughs) <laughs> They're great friends. <laughs> um, especially like Kage. I think he is the perfect like cheerleader for Boji, especially when people don't think Boji has what it takes to to be like a, a king as is expected of him in, well, I forget the name of the kingdom, um, or just even as an individual. Uh, I think Kage voices very much like how much he believes in 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 not kage believing in kage how much kage believes in in boji and in turn i think boji accepts kage as a friend despite him you know just being a fucking blob on the on the floor or on the ground um <laughs> but he, he's a he's part of the shadow clan which is a specific like they're of a specific species um yeah, I think Boji has that great quality of you know, accepting others for who they are and knowing how they are truly deep down inside. And you mentioned that people like doubt Boji and Kage is there as his cheerleader. We we also have to acknowledge that people don't trust Kage because of who he is, mm-hmm. because he's a, a blob on the ground, because his his kind are typically known to steal things. But Boji doesn't let that stop him from seeing like you said seeing kage's true nature and so the two of them are so close because the other is the only one who's ever accepted them for who they really are Mm -hmm. okay so the next one on my list is kind of a conglomerate but i can also mention one in particular that i really love um it's from jojo's bizarre adventure it's all the joe bros across all the parts just all of them Oh, like each respective part. Yeah. The friends in that part. Yeah. So you've got part one, which is Jonathan and I guess. I was going to say Speedwagon. Yeah. I guess they could be like a trio. Yeah. Because, I mean, Speedwagon is definitely a Joe bro. And then part two, you've got Joseph and Caesar. Mm -hmm. And then part three, you've got Jotaro Joseph, technically, even though they're related, um, Polnareff, Kakyoin, Iggy, and Abdul. The Stardust Crusaders, yeah. And then part four, you've got Josuke, Jotaro, even though they're related, um, Okuyasu, and Koichi. The Duong gang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> part five, you've got Giorno, Vucinity, Fugo, I guess, mm-hmm. um, Narancha, Abakio, and Mista, plus, plus Trish. Bucci gang. And then part six, you've got Jolene. Um, you've got Emporio, you've got Foo Fighters, you've got Hermes, you've got Anasui, and you've got Weather Report. 
the prison posse. <laughs> <laughs> so shout out to all the Joe Bros. If I had to pick one friendship um, of the Joe Bros that I wanted to highlight, it'd probably be Joseph and Caesar, which would then technically be a friendship slash rivalry. I guess if I had to pick my favorite friendship out of the Joe Bros, it would be the Stardust Crusaders because each of them just has a, a different personality, um, all from different walks of life, also also of different ethnicities. Uh, it kind of minds, reminds me of my close group of friends, uh, even though you know we didn't all come together on an adventure to go to Egypt and fight <laughs> evil. Uh, I think just... Yeah, seeing the dynamics between the different members of the Stardust Crusaders and seeing how they still managed to mesh well together, uh, it was always a treat to watch in part three. So I, I only have a couple more friendships and maybe one rivalry um, on my list. But the next one I want to bring up is an interesting one because it's from Attack on Titan and it's specifically from the final season. So I think I will need to tread lightly Although I feel like, you know, Attack on Titan's wrapped up and... Well, we, we did say spoilers, spoiler yeah. warning in the beginning. <laughs> no, uh, and but, I guess you'll tread lightly, but mm -hmm. also if you haven't watched the final season or even the finale, like, just be very, be very cautious. You mm -hmm. may want to skip ahead. And I would say this friendship is kind of spoiler heavy, but the friendship that I'm talking about is the one between Magath and Shadis. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> no, what? <laughs> no, yeah, there are plenty of friendships throughout AOT. You've got the main trio, EMA, I think as they're called, Aaron, Mikasa, and Armin. You've got John, Connie, and Sasha, uh, Gabby, and Falco. But for some reason, I just really love Magath and Shadis' friendship. Uh, and it's weird because they aren't friends for a long time at the point you see them become friends in the series. But there's just something so beautiful about how they they come from two different walks of life and they've only met each other like how do, how do I explain this? Like they've only briefly met each other, but in the time that they do get to know each other, they hit it off as friends, especially knowing that they've come so far and because they're both kind of mentor figures to their respective groups on the show and the way they, they kind of reflect on how they've mentored these individuals together despite being on sort of opposite sides of the coin i think for them to still see the other person as as a brother as a comrade is so beautiful especially in seeing how they carry their friendship through the rest of the show yeah, no, I know what you mean. Yeah, you're looking at me like you're 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 trying very hard to not spoil, which is you're doing better than I would. Um, but I know I I know what you mean. I mm -hmm. the the I think their friendship shows that none of the superficial stuff matters. Mm -hmm. What really matters is like what what's most important in life are the relationships that you have, the love that you have in your life, all of that. So when you are in a situation that they're in, all of that superficial stuff just goes away because at that point, nothing really matters except 
whatever you can do to find happiness. Mm -hmm. And happiness comes from just the relationships you have with people. Yeah, connecting with others on a human level, despite whatever differences you may have. I think that's what is best represented in the friendship between Magath and Shadis. And I don't know, even just thinking about their scenes together in the final season, it it sends chills down my spine. It gives me goosebumps. And I don't think that I've had that such or that much of a reaction to a friendship in AOT more than theirs. They have mad respect for each other. Yeah. Well, I also have some from Attack on Titan. Uh, I did call out Eren, Mikasa, and Armin. I called out John, Connie, and Sasha. Um, so I won't really dive too deep into those, but instead I'll focus on a great rivalry in Attack on Titan. One that I just love so much. It's Aaron versus John. <laughs> oh, okay. Greatest rivalry, okay? So fucking good because they're both playing for the same team. They're both fighting on the same side of things, but they butt heads from the moment they fucking meet each other. And it just carries on throughout the show. It birthed one of the best memes out of Attack on Titan, which is John is a horse face. <laughs> he looks like a horse. Um, and yeah, I mean... I'm not going to say anything about the finale, but it carries through all the way until the end of the show. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I feel like we don't see them interact much in the final season. But that rival, um, rivalry is still so prevalent. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's, so it's, great. Still like, it's still like an underlying current in all the stuff that happens in the final season. Um, but no, I remember <laughs> they had like a sort of bar fight, right, in season one. Yeah. And that's kind of where the rivalry was established but at the same time i think jean at least has some sort of respect for aaron because they've been through so much hell together and you know maybe like in a way aaron has some respect for jean like that core group of cadets that went on to be scouts like they've been together through so much i think aaron sees all of them as close friends and then maybe Jean. <laughs> that, that, I think that's how Aaron sees him. Um, but yeah, it's so funny how you know the ending of AOT has sparked specific memes related to Aaron and Jean. If you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, those are really good. I've sent you a couple of them too. Yeah, They're pretty people, funny. Yeah, on our Discord in the AOT channel, people have been sharing them. And oh god, it's it's just so funny how how this meme carries on their sort of legacy of rivalry all right so the last two relationships i have that are friendship and rivalry related um i'll start with the rivalry i guess this makes sense uh because they have the same end goal <laughs> but it's different ways so it's from pokemon and I put Gary and Ash. I also put okay. this one. Yeah, this is like the OG rivalry for mm -hmm. all of us when we were kids. Yeah, it's the quintessential childhood rivalry where it was like Gary is the one bully that you wanted to get what was coming to them. Because I think everyone watching the show when they were younger felt like they were Ash. Or maybe there were some kids that felt like they were Gary. Yeah, probably. <laughs> the really bullies thought they were weird. Gary. <laughs> yeah. I I think this is definitely a rivalry. I don't think they're enemies by any nature because, well, I don't know, maybe you could, you could probably argue they're enemies, but really they're rivals because they have the same end goal. 
Like I know, I know you to felt, be a Pokemon master. Yeah, like they're not they're not sharing a goal. They have separate goals. It just happens to be the same goal, <laughs> and so they're competing with each other to see who can reach that goal first and who can be the better of the two. And for a long time, it seems like Gary. Um, but Pokemon's never ending. So, oh, well, you know what? No, that's, that's not true. Ash no, eventually yeah. did end Ash, his story. Ash retired at the age of ten. The ripe old <laughs> age of ten, <laughs> and I think met all of his goals. So Ash, I think, came out on top. The next one that I have um, is from Jujutsu Kaisen. It's the main trio: Itadori, Fushiguro, and Nobara. Mm-hmm. And I've talked about this one many times in our JJK reviews. That I I just fucking love the three of them. And I think the reason that they are such a great trio in my eyes is because of how realistic their friendship is. Yeah, I was about to say, uh, they feel like a true high school friendship. Yeah, like they just shoot the shit with each other. They shit all over each other. Nobara is like half disinterested in the two of them most of the time. (laughs) But like in in the way that just fits her personality like she obviously obviously cares about the two of them and is there for them but also just is like whatever when it comes to the guys um it just reminds me of a lot of our friendships like in the newest season when um nobara feels like she may have come across some interesting information about itadori so she she calls fushiguro and makes him come back to where she is so that they can gossip about it i'm like dude that is that is like that is how friendship works they are just so funny the three of them and props to the creator for being able to to create such a realistic relatable and accurate friendship i they're one of my favorite parts about that anime yeah watching them interact you kind of forget that this is a show that has elements of fantasy imbued into it. Like, it's like they're, they are characters from a slice of life that just happen to be in a show about curses and sorcery. Yeah, and their friendship stands out because a lot of friendships in anime, especially the ones that we've talked about, have like this, um, this like very, I don't know if grand is the right word, but just like this... Uh, it's like looking at a friendship through rose-colored glasses, lenses, whatever mm-hmm. it is. You just see this friendship that is like so beautiful and um, fantastical and all this stuff. But when it comes to this trio, they're like when they when they say goodbye to each other, it's not like oh my god, I'll see you again soon. It's like peace, see you later, dude. Like it's like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Peace, That's, bitch. Yeah, <laughs> like deuces. They're they're so chill with each other, and their energy is is great i don't know i have a hard time pinpointing it but the best way i can describe it is it's just everyone's friendship it's just it feels real compared to a lot of other anime trios out there well the last friendship i have on my list um it's also from pokemon i think this one's pretty obvious obvious ash and pikachu (laughs) i know that you mentioned how ed and ayn are like there's a representation of like man's best friend in their friendship. I think that's pretty much true for Ash and Pikachu as well. I mean, Pikachu fucking cried so much when Ash was turned to stone that Ash decided to come back to life. <laughs> <laughs> decided to come yeah, back to I, life. Like Pokemon, the first movie, just lives rent free in my head. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I can't remember specific instances from the show proper. But, you know, it's clear that Pikachu has a close attachment to Ash 
and Ash vice versa. And they both retired together. So uh, that's a long-lasting friendship right there. Yeah, it's a classic friendship, especially for anyone of our generation. I mean, it's so classic that for Halloween this year, you dressed up as Ash, and yeah, we yeah. dressed our, our baby up as Pikachu, and then I was there as Misty, and it was fucking cold out. <laughs> <laughs> so I have two more. Um, the next one is from Made in Abyss, and it's Rico, Reg, and Nanachi. Oh, you're just picking out all the anime trios, huh? Well, okay, this one is good because, man, they go through some fucking shit, let me tell you. I mean, if I had to kind of narrow it down, I'd, I'd maybe say Rico and Reg, but then I feel like I'm doing a huge disservice by not also acknowledging Nanachi, who is a real one for sure. Um, if it weren't for Nanachi, Rico and Reg probably wouldn't be as far as they are on their adventure. But with Rico and Reg... It's more around Reg. Like, oh, this really just centers around Reg and how fucking patient that kid is with Rico <laughs> because holy shit, Rico can be a little much sometimes. Yeah. I would say that I like Nanachi the most out of the trio because she feels the most level-headed. Um, Reg. Reg's the, the one the the, the robot the, kid. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Reg has no idea what he's fucking doing half the time. And then Rico's head is in the fucking clouds. <laughs> so, but I guess that works together because the three of them together make a, a sort of one man army. So, Rico is fueled by adventure, and Reg and Nanachi are there to make sure she doesn't get herself killed. <laughs> yeah, basically. And the last one that I have is from Mob Psycho 100. Mm. And this friendship is Mob and Reagan. <laughs> I would say it's more of an exploitative relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe more like a mentorship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's I a would, stretch, but yeah. I, I like the two of them because um, I think similar to Gon and Legorio, their friendship goes beyond just like pure friends. Because as I mentioned, Reagan, while sus sometimes, generally he is very much like a a mentor figure to mob sometimes even feels a little bit like a big brother to mob like a much older brother who can kind of guide him through some of the trials and tribulations of adolescent life but there's there's a lot of um i don't know there's there's a lot to be said about their relationship especially the way things play out in the finale of mob psycho 100 there's there's a lot of a lot to be questioned about with Reagan, but when it when push comes to shove, he's there for Mob mm -hmm. as best as he can, right? Because he does not have nearly any of the abilities that Mob has, but somehow he still manages to be a guiding light in Mob's in Mob's life, even when Mob realizes who he actually is. Yeah, it's it's weird because in a way, kind of like with. Torfin and Einar from Vinland Saga, in a way, the other person finds what they're looking for in the other person, right? Yeah, like, like it's weird. Like, Reagan has all of the regular stuff, the regular life stuff that Mob is missing, mm -hmm. and Mob has all of the supernatural, non-regular life stuff that Reagan is missing. Yeah, I guess I can also see it as Reagan sees almost like a younger version of himself in mob, like being curious about the world. And, and like you said, 
in some twisted sense becomes a mentor to him whereas mob sees reagan as someone who believes in him and is is willing to like impart that knowledge of of life and life's lessons to him even though reagan's not giving it to him in the right way (laughs) and those are our favorite friendships and rivalries in anime peppered in with a few enemies as well yeah (laughs) enemies i I didn't understand the fucking assignment no i think you got it i think you just had like one or two that were more in the enemy territory but everything else fit perfectly yeah, I guess we could save our our favorite enemies in anime for another episode. Um, but yeah, it was, it was great to reflect on the positive side of relationships in anime. And if any of you guys have friendships or rivals in anime that you really love, let us know. Let us know who they are and why specifically you love those two or three or maybe even four or five or six together. Are there any friendships that are you know what i was, I was going to say are there any friendships that are bigger than a trio but we just named a bunch with jojo's bizarre adventure <laughs> oh yeah it was like five six of them in yeah one pack. <laughs> so there you go if you have any duos trios four five sixes of friendships or rivals and rivalries <laughs> quintets sextets quintessential quintuplets in anime that you want to share let us know Thank you guys so much for listening, and don't forget to get your own Tokyo Treat Box packed with exclusive Japanese snacks by following the link in the description and using code STRICTLYANIME for $5 off your first box. And as always, subscribe to Strictly Anime on your favorite podcast service, join our Discord to chat with us, follow us on Instagram at The Strictly Series, on Twitter at Strictly Series, and check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com. If you'd like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash thestrictlyseries, and tune into Strictly Jojo, our other podcast dedicated to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb.